Well, we're going through the series of Matthew, as you know, the king we need. And last week, Steve helped us to see Jesus teaching the kingdom of God through the Sermon on the Mount. It's a heart matter. It's a matter of our hearts. It's not one of external rule keeping. It's about Jesus' kingdom is an upside down kingdom. I hope you got that. If you were here, you would have got that. And Jesus taught with such authority. This week, we're looking at Jesus demonstrating and ushering the power of the kingdom. Jesus is declaring and demonstrating that he is the coming Messiah, that he is the promised king. So Jesus has set out his teaching. He's come down from the mountainside and the large crowds are following him. He's done the amazing teaching and they're thinking, not heard anything like this, we're going to follow him. We're going to see what else he does. So the large crowds are following him. And the early part of chapter 8 of Matthew, Jesus touches and heals a man, a man with leprosy. No one would really touch someone with leprosy, but Jesus does something very different. Then he heals a centurion's servant from a distance. And then he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then all who were ill were brought to him, and all those who who needed deliverance, who were demon-possessed, come to Jesus And he dealt with it all. That's who Jesus is. And then Jesus deals with a few discipleship issues. You know, people are saying things like, oh, let me first bury my dad. And he's going, don't worry about that, just follow me. A little bit more to that than I've just said. But anyway, that's what was going on. Matthew is constantly pointing us back to the Old Testament, helping us, helping his listeners and his readers to see Jesus is the promised Messiah even though he is not what they expected. After the three healings that I just mentioned, and before the three events, we'll be focusing on Matthew and uh, what he writes. And he, write, he writes this, excuse me. I normally do that before I get up, but anyway, there we are. little insight into my little world. <laughs> There's always something. Anyway, let's get back to the story. So just before we get to these three stories that we're going to focus in on, this is what Matthew writes. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. In case you're not sure, this is about Jesus. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. So let's read the text for today. It's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, and we're going through to chapter 9, verse 8. So we'll read through. Let's get get started. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? 
Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. Three amazing stories. We could spend two weeks on each of those, I'm sure, but we're going to do the three stories today. And it's a lot to think about over these, uh, in these three stories. But what is the overarching theme or themes? I think the text provokes... Well, this is what I got out of it. I think the text provokes two questions. And the first question was from verse, chapter 8, verse 27, when the disciples said, what kind of man is this? The disciples are in a boat and a storm erupts. You've probably read the story before. Without further information, you might think, I've been, on, I've been to a lake. No storms ever erupt on a lake. That's not what happens. Well, that's how I viewed it. But then I looked into it. This lake is... 10 miles by 7 miles, that's the space of it. It's like a, a big bit of sea, really. And this, this lake had regularly had storms due to the position. It had a mountain range nearby, and it, it was below sea level. You know, I'm not a meteorologist. I mean, I can't even say it. I'd never be one, would I? But you can sort of get the picture. Something big's going on, right? And, you know, these, there were fishermen in the boat. So it must have been a big storm at that time. The boat would have been big, 27 foot by about 7 foot apparently. And uh, again, I'm not one of those archaeologist people, but I've read that. It's a big sized boat, I'd say. This is a serious storm that's going on. And it says Jesus was sleeping. Whenever I've read that, and I've read it a few times, I'm sure you have, I've always thought, how? Like the storm is raging. And the, the water is going over the boat, and Jesus is asleep. And I think it tells us a couple of things. Firstly, he was fully man. He got tired. He'd just been teaching the, the, the multitudes up the mountain. He's healing people. He's doing amazing things. He was fully man. He was tired. He was exhausted. Jesus had given himself to others. He was always giving out, so he got tired. Jesus was fully man. There are other examples through the Gospels, you probably know them, where he wept, he felt pain, he felt anguish. Jesus suffered and felt the full force 
of humanity, just like you and I, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Jesus, and what that tells us is Jesus has been where you and I have been, with all the traumas, all the good stuff, all the challenging things. He has been where we are and where we go. And therefore, he has empathy with us and for us. And he is compassionate towards us. But he slept. He was at peace. He was without fear. The disciples are panicking. We're going to die. He knew his father. He was secure. He knew peace at all times. And in that, Jesus is demonstrating his deity. He is God. He doesn't suffer fear like we might. And the disciples wake him up and say, save us. We're going to drown. Do something. Fear and panic is upon them. They were afraid. But they made a good decision. Let's go to Jesus. A little later, Jesus has a word about their fear moment. We'll come to that. But look what Jesus does. He rebukes a storm and it was completely calm. From a tempestuous storm, people are thinking they're going to die to perfect serenity. In the Gospel of Mark, it's in there as well. He says, he says that Jesus said this, Quiet, be still. And it was completely calm. If you thought the sleeping moment didn't quite convey that Jesus is fully God, surely this does. Be quiet, be still. The elements obey him. Of course they did. It's not a surprise, is it? Because Jesus was right there at the beginning of creation. He is the one who created all this. Romans 11:36 says this, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. He made it all. It all points to him. It is all for his glory. This is a moment, one of many, where Jesus shows his absolute divine power. And we could read this another way, this story. You could glean from it that Jesus calms the storms of our lives. And we know that's true. We had a great story just 10 minutes ago. He does do that. But this is recorded to help us grasp the power of God, the deity of Jesus, all that he is. With a word, the storm is still. He is sovereign over all creation. There's uh, you probably some of you, many of you would have heard of John Piper. I always like to throw a little quote in from him. He's pretty decent, I reckon. He's passionate about God. He knows God. He loves the word. And uh, he has this little thing called Ask Pastor John. And um, a youth leader said, I mean, I wouldn't ask Pastor John anything, to be honest, because uh, his answers are pretty radical. And, uh, but anyway, he says this. He's, the, the, the youth leader says, what should I teach young people? He said, give them the biggest perspective of God they could ever have. Preach Jesus. Preach God. Give them the biggest possible view. And that's what we need to do week after week, pointing to God, what he's like and how he changes us. So Jesus has proven he's sovereign over all creation. The disciples were amazed, asking, who is this? In Mark's account, because in, in uh, Matthew's account, it says they were amazed. In Mark's account, he says this, they were terrified. There is something about the holiness of God in this response. They feared, for they found themselves 
in the presence of the one who brought about this miracle. The disciples, right, they were on a a journey of understanding who this is, who Jesus is. And we are too. We're on that journey. But we mustn't underestimate the awe of God, that reverent fear of God. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He is our friend, absolutely, completely, totally. But he is also God. And the disciples in that moment, it's like, this is a wow moment. Maybe take your shoes off. It doesn't say that, I've just added that in, so ignore that. If you don't have that sense of awe, that reverent fear of God, ask yourselves a question. Have I come over familiar with who he is, with the Saviour? The second story is Jesus restoring two demon-possessed men. The demons knew full well who they were dealing with. Verse 28 and 29. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? The demons knew who this was. This is the son of God. And they said, it's not our time. We know it's coming, but it's not quite yet. Jesus commanded that they leave these two men. They were untamed, these two men. No one could go near them. They couldn't be tamed. They lived amongst the tombs. Everyone was in fear of these men. Mark goes into more detail and he says, no one was strong enough to subdue them. But Jesus is Lord of all. He reigns over everything. He reigns over the supernatural. He reigns over everything. He reigns over every situation. The devil and his workers, his demons, are no equal to Jesus. And often we play down or underestimate the devil and his activity and his workers. We believe, you and I, obviously we believe in the spiritual realm, but sometimes we don't act like it. Sometimes it's like, well, we're just going through life. Jesus casts out these demons, and the proof is in the outcome of the men. Mark writes this, these men were dressed and in their right minds. Picture it, two men, I mean, I've not known anything like this, but two men, you think, well, I won't go through South Street because those men are there. I'll go around some other way. That was what was going on. You would avoid them. Jesus casts out these demons, proof of who he is. Mark writes, these men were dressed in their right minds. Jesus reigns over all creation. He rules and reigns in the heavenly places. He has no equal. Now, the second question is this, and it's, it's from those, those, the demons. What, it says this, what do you want with us, son of God? In other words, there's a provocation. There's a response to be made. We'll look at the third story in a bit because I want to put those two questions together. The demons ask, what do you want with us, Jesus? Jesus asked the disciples in the boat, why are you so afraid? You cannot encounter Jesus and stay the same. The disciples, save us, we're going to drown, help us. At least they made the right choice to connect and ask Jesus, to call on Jesus. Out of fear and out of panic, but they called on him. They were terrified and amazed. Two different emotions. They were beginning to grasp who Jesus is. 
But in that moment, Jesus said to them, you of little faith. But we know they grew in faith in their journey with Jesus. All of them, almost to a man, gave their lives for the gospel years later. They followed Jesus. But Jesus rebuked them. It's almost like he said, come on, boys. Haven't you seen what I've been doing? I just healed your mother-in-law. I just healed who come to me. We can grow in faith and we will do so. But without faith, and Jesus was pointing this towards the disciples at that moment, without faith we can't please God. When Jesus encountered the demons and the men who were so damaged by them, it brought freedom to the men who were, who had the, the possessed, they were possessed by these demons. But those tending the sheep, they had a different response. They ran back to the village I mean, it is a story to tell, right? I've never seen it. I, I'm not sure I want to see it, but what's a story to go back? I'm sure the people hearing the story are going, no, have you been drinking? They ran back to the village and told everyone. And the whole village came to Jesus and asked him, you've got to go, please leave us. Freedom for these two men, brilliant, in their right minds, fully clothed, ready to be back in society, play their part. But the rest, maybe they were worried. Maybe they thought, Jesus, you just ruined my livelihood. The pigs, they're dead. They reckon there was about 2,000 pigs. Go from us, Jesus. Look what you've done. You've ruined our wealth. Not everyone is pleased to see Jesus. They rejected him at this point. I said earlier, do we really grasp the fact that there's a spiritual realm? Do we recognise that in our lives? That you have an enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy you? That's what the Bible says. Maybe if it's all a little bit, well, I'm just cruising through life. It's all a bit humdrum, all a bit, well, pretty average. Then maybe you should come to God again. Come to him afresh. See, I don't think the enemy's too bothered in us if we're pretty stagnant. In fact, if you're pretty stagnant, you're probably stagnantly going backwards. We had our grace group this week, and of course, I'm going to mention that every time I preach, until everyone's going. We had our grace group this week, and we're starting to look at Psalm 23. I hope you did in your groups. I hope you enjoyed it. But in our group, one of the guys said... I do not want mediocre Christianity. I want to go for God for all I'm worth. That's what we all want, I'm sure. We want to press in for all that God has got for us. And if that's the case, we can expect spiritual conflict. But the good news is we can know Jesus has won the victory. Victory is assured. He will deliver us. He's the King of Kings. And uh, I just want to earth this with a story, really. And uh, a friend of mine, um, he's, like, he's about the same size as me, but he's about nine stone. He's a, he's a little bloke, really, thin, anyway, nothing of him. He has to put rocks in his pockets when it's very windy. He's that sort of guy. <laughs> but anyway, he's in London, and uh, he's walking. It's dark, and he's in Brick Lane, East London. And he's just walking home. And as he's walking home... Like this big guy sort of shuffles him into a doorway. 
and pulls a knife and he says, give us your money and give us your phone. Now, what was your reaction to that? Probably like mine. Here's my phone and here's my money. Anyway, this guy, a man of God, he says, get your hands off of me. Don't you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I'm a minister of the gospel. Get your hands off me. Now, this isn't in the Bible. This is in Brick Lane, London, right? (laughs) And I'm just bringing the story because there is a spiritual realm. I mean, it's not a herd of, you know, demons going into a herd of pigs, but it's the enemy coming to attack, coming to provoke. Oh, finish the story off. He did survive, right? He didn't get knifed or anything like that. You'll be pleased to know. The guy went, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You're right, you shouldn't have done that. He says, let me tell you about Jesus. And they spent the rest of the journey up Brick Lane discussing Jesus. What a story. Amazing. I wish that was my story, but it wasn't. But, but the point being, there is demon activity. But God is the victor. I'm not suggesting if someone comes up to you with a knife, I hope it doesn't happen to any of you. I mean, Chichester's a nice place. Probably not going to happen. But anyway, when things happen, let's be switched on. God, you are my protector. You're the one who will, I can trust in in every circumstance. Let's answer the two questions from the third story, the paralyzed man getting healed. And uh, it says this, Matthew 9, 1 to 8, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? It's interesting. Jesus knows our every thought. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Who is this man? That's the question I put towards the beginning. Jesus right here, if we weren't sure about the calming of the storm, right here he's claiming to be God. Only God can forgive sin. And this riled the religious leaders. They were fuming. They were angry. Jesus has authority over creation. Well, he made it. Jesus has authority over everything supernatural, over the devil, all of his workers. Well, he set many captives free. He's always doing that. He is revealing here his authority to forgive sin. Luke goes into more details about the response from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It says in Luke, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Only God can forgive sin. This is a great claim of Jesus saying, I am God. And sin, as you probably know, needs to be accounted for. And you and I fall short of God's standard. And the paralyzed man, well, he came for healing. But he went away with so much more. It says, take heart, son. Another version says, Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus has the power and also the authority to forgive sin. 
I need this and so do you. I need my sin forgiven and so do you. He brings freedom. It brings joy. It changes us from the inside, not the outside. Steve brought that in last week. It's a heart matter. Jesus changes us from the inside. No longer are we performance orientated, or if you are, and we all are a little, I'm sure, but we don't need to be. Our sin is forgiven. We don't need to try and please God with outward activities. We do the outward stuff because he's transformed us from the inside. Jesus here is continuing to reveal to these people and to us, he is the king we need. We need to be made right with God above everything else. And that's what he did for this man. The second question that I asked was, what do you want with us? What is our response? Firstly, go to Jesus. This is a story also told in Luke and Mark and with greater detail. For example, it's the same story where they lowered him through the roof. Every situation we go to Jesus, everything in our lives, every moment of fear, of conflict, of need for your family and friends, there's a list so long. We go to Jesus. And some men brought this guy, he's paralyzed. They brought him to Jesus. And it doesn't say how far they traveled, but they traveled. They went towards him. They went towards Jesus. They went on a faith adventure. Can you imagine it? We're taking you. Today's the day. Well, he didn't really have a choice, did he? Maybe there was four of them. They picked up his mat and took him. They went on this faith adventure. All they had to go on was the stories. Maybe they had a glimpse of seeing what Jesus had done. And a question for you. Are you on a faith adventure? Whether you're 12 or older, whether you're 80, 90, are you on a faith adventure and everything in between? These men, they couldn't even get in the house. At that point, I guess some people would have turned away. Maybe some did. But they were determined and they lowered him through the roof. Let's be a people who are prepared to break a few tiles. Anyone here want to break a few metaphorical tiles? I don't want anyone smashing anyone's home and get arrested. I hope there are. I hope you're amongst those who want to do that. They didn't stop because there was no room left. It could have got awkward. You're lowering someone through a roof. That's going to upset some people. Bits of debris falling on people's head. The owner of the house, he would have been upset, I'm sure. And sometimes we don't always get what we want in that first instance. The man received forgiveness of sins. That wasn't his primary motivation, but it was what he needed. Receiving from forgiveness from God meant, means we get God. That is what we need. Sometimes we go to Jesus with a list of stuff, and that's good. I said that earlier. We go to him with everything. And sometimes we don't get quite what we want. But when we come to him, we get him. And that is the most important thing. We have peace with God. Our lives are right with him. But this man also got healing. Jesus' power restores the man. Mark's account says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, 
your sins are forgiven. And our response can be like this man and his friends. We go to Jesus with faith. Faith that I exercise. Trusting in the one who has all authority, is all-powerful, all-knowing. The one who can still the storm, set the captives free, restore broken bodies, and above all else, forgive sin and bring freedom from the law of sin and death. What a God. What a king. He is the king we need. What a saviour this Jesus is. Chapter 9, verse 8 says this. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given, who had given such authority to man. Filled with awe. Praise God. Our response? Well, today... If you're not a Christian, or if you're not sure you're a Christian, or like you've gone so far back, it feels like I'm not sure where I'm at with this today, today can be an amazing day for you. Jesus said, take heart, son. Be of good cheer. That means daughter as well. Your sins are forgiven. That can be declared over you today. If you don't know him, speak to someone. Come and speak to someone at the front and afterwards. When you get a coffee, speak to someone. Don't let that moment go by where you can know the forgiveness of God. And if you're a Christian here today, which I guess is a vast, vast majority of us, be filled with awe and wonder of this Jesus to the point where you can do nothing like these people but praise God for what he's done, for his power, for who he is, the king of kings. And if like it's a little bit mundane, come before God. He will pour out his spirit upon you that you again are refreshed and renewed and know his presence and his power.